Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Colony Drop, a Gundam podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Isaac. This is your favorite Gundam podcast where we talk about Gundam lore, models, Gundam music, Gundam fashion and food, and Gundam animated series and movies. It's funny you say movies, Isaac. I heard somewhere that a new Gundam movie came out this week. You did? What did this little bird tell you? (laughs) I heard it was the long-awaited day where the fandom finally was able to watch Mobile Suit Gundam Hathaway, Isaac, on Netflix, starting on July 1st. Just in time for Independence Day here in America for all our American listeners. And Brian and I watched it last night. (laughs) Right. I mean, this is a big deal, Isaac. We don't get new Universal Century content very often. Especially dubbed. Yeah, dubbed right out of the (laughs) gate. That's right. And may I say, this was a quality film, wasn't it, Brian? Yeah, I was a bit blown away, Isaac, in a couple respects. So before we get into that, let's remind the listeners what's going on here. So Hathaway is based on a trilogy of novels, three novels written by Gundam's original creator, Yoshiyuki Tamino. And those were published, I think, from 1989 to 1990. And uh, we've talked about this on previous podcasts. I'm not going to go back into it again, but they were often considered too difficult to adapt uh, over the years. But here we are. The movie was originally supposed to come out in Japan in June of 2020, but you may have heard of this thing called COVID-19, which put the brakes on that for a little bit. But a year later, Isaac, yes. June 2021, <laughs> it came out in June, I think it was June 11th in Japanese theaters, and now it finally made it to our shores uh, via Netflix on July 1st. So here we are. I, I don't know if you took a look at the log line on Netflix, Isaac. It's very, it's like one sentence. Which I find funny, given that this is the first movie in a trilogy of movies that's a sequel to a movie, which is a sequel to three fifty-ish episode TV series, and your and your description is one is one sentence. Pretty hard to do, but um. <laughs> it's definitely a self-contained story. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's Netflix; they have like half a second to capture people's attention as they're scrolling with one sentence. Yeah. <laughs> the logline is very simple. After Shar's rebellion, Hathaway Noah leads an insurgency against the Earth Federation, but meeting an enemy officer and a mysterious woman alters his fate. That's pretty accurate. Yeah, boy does it ever. Things get pretty wacky right from the start of the movie. Hopefully our listeners have uh, seen the movie, or they will soon. This should be uh, a pretty spoiler-filled episode i'm afraid to say just because i mean we're going to discuss the movie yeah yeah we're going to spoil (laughs) the hell out of it (laughs) yeah all right so our film kicks off and hathaway's on a ship a transport uh liner flying from uh, luna yeah from from luna or at least somewhere near luna uh to earth and guess what, Brian? There's a hijacking. <laughs> mm. But those hijackers are, are not any ordinary hijackers. They are claiming to be from MAFTI, which is this uh, organization that is going against the Earth Federation government. Their, their stated goal is to basically kill all of the uh, Earth Federation, what do they call them, congressional ministers or something? Yeah, cabinet ministers, something like that. Yeah, there you go. That's a very direct goal, Isaac. Yeah, and it's ultimately revealed, though, well, pretty quickly, that these hijackers are really kind of only in for the money, and yeah, they want to ransom the ministers, not necessarily execute them on the ship. And we have quite the cast of characters on this ship, because not only do you have a bunch of the actual cabinet ministers, I think there was, didn't they say there was 18 of them on one flight? Probably not a good idea. (laughs) But we do find out right away, and if you'd read the synopsis, you would know that Hathaway is Mafti. So these hijackers are fakes, basically. 
Yeah. That is figured out by the one of the two other mysterious characters on this ship. The first being Gigi and Delucia. And boy, what a character, Isaac. This Gigi. I don't know what to think about her. I mean, okay. So, listeners, these mafty fake goons show up on the ship, right? But before this, um, Hathaway's sitting near this beautiful, blonde-haired woman, piercing blue eyes, kind of angelic-looking almost, yeah. Gigi. And boy, is she sharp, Brian, right? She's as sharp as a lightsaber. Yep. She's able to be really blunt and really inquisitive in the words that she's saying. She can hold her own in discussions. She's actually sitting next to another character named Kenneth, who's an officer in the Earth Federation. And she sizes up pretty quickly that he's not really fitting in with the rest of the passengers. They're all either wealthy, billionaires, movers and shakers, or they're um, politicians that are really high up. And he's clearly, despite his suit, I think she said, or I don't know if she was being metaphorical when she says, you know, you have a a nice suit, but you you smell different or something (laughs) like that. Yeah, she she dresses him down pretty good because she says she even calls him out for taking off his wedding ring. Oh yeah, she noticed that, that he's a there's a tan line, I guess, right on the uh, where the where the ring should be. Yeah. So this is going on. Hathaway's also there on the uh, the ship, being a pretty low key kind of humble guy. And when the Mafty goons show up, I, at first I thought it was legitimate Mafty, right, Brian? I don't know if you did or not. These guys show up in like kind of a Wizard of Oz Halloween <laughs> outfit. <laughs> right they had like there was a jack-o'-lantern head guy as a leader scarecrow a skull pirate a clown it was nuts <laughs> it was i agree so I, I guess we should say that neither isaac nor i have read the novels we know the ending to the story it's a very famous ending in gundam right. lore but we don't actually know the particulars so yeah i I'm, i agree with you isaac i actually did think it was mafty and that hathaway knew these people somehow there is a clue that right. maybe they're not Mafty, perhaps, if you can catch what mobile suit they're using in the beginning. Um, but it, it shows the mobile suit so briefly that I didn't even realize what mobile suit it was until afterwards, and I had to look it up. But Yeah. Yeah, so I, I agree. I, I thought they were Mafty at first as well. Yeah, so these goons board, and it becomes pretty clear that they're just really brutal evil guys. They kill a bunch of guards, and they have a shootout, and then they seize control of the flight, and they shoot down... I think like a couple people or so just brutally kill these innocent or not innocent. Well, unarmed civilians, definitely. And um, actually something weird happens at this part. If you remember, it seemed like during a tense situation where Hathaway was talking to the leader of the hostage takers, Gigi sent him a telepathic communication. Did you catch that? I did. I'm glad you brought that up. I did get the sense that that was somewhat of a, I don't want to call it new type yet, but some sort of new type communication uh, between the two. (laughs) And it was interesting what she told Hathaway, because again, this is now the second instance of her being razor sharp in the first, I don't know, 10 minutes of this film. She tells him, just do it because they are a bunch of fakes. Yeah. It clearly shows she knows what Hathaway is thinking, but that she also knows uh, that these guys are not Mafty, uh, which is, you know, pretty bonkers. Yeah, either she read their minds or somehow she knew enough. She's such a question mark at this point in the movie because she's like one of the youngest people on the flight. Yeah. And she's not a politician. I I guess she's presumably wealthy. We find out more later actually how why she's there. But yeah, so Hathaway and Officer Kenneth, they managed to save the day beat up all the uh the attackers in 
it was an almost over the top fight. They like really schooled these guys, even though they were unarmed. They managed to get the guns and, you know, really kill all the hostage takers or at least incapacitate them. They save the day. They land the plane. Uh, our movie really starts. From there, they start interviewing everybody. Of course, they want to talk to Hathaway because, you know, he's a civilian that just saved the plane. But at this point, it, it shows also just how out of touch these ministers are. Because if you remember, as soon as they land and like, you know, some people are covered in blood and the flight attendant guy is covered in blood and they're like offloading people. Some of the ministers say like, oh, I can't believe we landed so far away. And now we'll have to get like a connecting flight or something <laughs> from our real our real destination. <laughs> I guess these ministers were technically on their way to Australia, but instead they had to land, which I, I believe they landed in the Philippines, right? That, that's where Davao is. That'd be a good guess based on a certain branding that shows up in <laughs> the movie. But I didn't really look up where Davao is. I just thought it was, okay, we're in generic South Pacific somewhere. Yeah. So, yes, um, Hathaway gets a little bit detained by the police. They definitely want to talk to him. He and Gigi are talking alone, kind of recovering. He got like a ginger ale, I think, yeah. and Gigi got, Gigi got something that looked like it was very sweet but also alcoholic because <laughs> <laughs> it was like bright blue. It was cotton candy blue. A very Gigi drink. Yeah, I, I, that's something I would order, I think, because I like my sweet drinks. <laughs> but um, anyways, so she's talking to him, and she just really bluntly drops that, oh, yeah, you're Mafty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she pretty much calls him out right away. She's like, oh, you know, I think you're yeah. Mafty because you did what you did on the plane because you saw someone else using your name in a bad way and that you had to do something. And, and that kind of goes back to what happened on the plane because even Kenneth was doubting that they were Mafty. What did he say? He said uh, they lacked Mafty's integrity. And so it seems well established at this point somehow in the in the world that Mafty d- does not act like the hijackers would act. Yeah, we'll get to things I didn't like too much about the movie. But at this point, I wish we had more to go on about like who Mafty is rather than our introduction to Mafty being Mafty impersonators. Yeah. But anyways, at this point, Hathaway's pretty stunned, and he tries not to let on that she's right, but it's it's pretty clear that she knows exactly <laughs> who he is. Uh, I think she said like she could tell by his body language or something like that. I was thinking in my head, you know, oh God, who is Gigi? Is she getting all this because she's a new type? Is she in uh, Federation Intelligence or something? Is she a politician, but we don't know yet? Right. I had so many questions. Like, why was she on the plane? She was like one of the youngest people <laughs> on that plane. But yeah, so Hathaway's, you know, cat's kind of out of the bag for him, at least for Gigi. Gigi, despite him trying to hide it and then they're actually talking to the cops yeah these are not just any cops so th- this is the criminal police organization which everyone calls the manhunters oh okay oh so that was like the more civilian looking arm of manhunters that's how i took it because remember uh hathaway said oh i wonder if this guy's the leader of the manhunters huh oh a mustache guy you yeah mean. okay okay i didn't catch that i well maybe i just heard their full name and i didn't think to tie them to the hunters we see later yeah. on in the the show but well you bring up a good point because this film much like shard's counterattack moves very briskly and <laughs> is very dense so i do think that this film requires a few watches to probably pick up on everything yeah one thing i did pick up on though was that the military and the manhunters are very separate organizations if you remember <laughs> yeah they didn't seem to like each other too much yeah, they seem like they have some type of issues with their ability to work together. The military wanted to get Hathaway to a room right away, I think. Yeah. It was very much like those scenes that you see, you know, in American movies where the the local police get upset when the FBI arrives because then the FBI claim jurisdiction oh, yeah. and they take all their witnesses and things like that. That's the same vibe I got right. from, from this. 
Or like movies where like the CIA and the FBI are there and they like technically they can't tell each other what to do and they just always rub elbows. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're on the same side, but like only sort of. Yeah. Like, oh, these guys are here. All right. There's like too many alpha males like in the same room, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so they're actually talking to the police now. Mafty uh, Hathaway <laughs> is in a separate area of this little terminal waiting room. I think they're actually, no, I think it's like the large bar area. Yeah. Man, this is a massive bar. This interview happens. Gigi's in one area. Hathaway's in the other. And he's pretty suspicious of Gigi. Like, what is she saying to that interrogator, that investigator? You know, uh, God, what could she be saying? Gigi stands up and, like, gets close to the uh, the guy questioning her, the agent. And she, like, touches him on the shoulder. I don't know if you caught that. I did, yeah. Yeah, and then she leaves. And then that guy comes straight over to talk to Hathaway, sits next to Hathaway and his investigator. He whispered something to the investigator, and then they let Hathaway go right away. <laughs> yeah, and they also, that's when they give him the card, right? Yeah, the uh, the blank check card. <laughs> yeah, after the, the guy comes back and whispers, he gives Hathaway this card, and he says, hey, you can stay in DeVal, and you can pay for anything with this card, and the government will pay for it. And Hathaway's like, wow, like that's that's pretty good. <laughs> like. Yeah, it's expensive. <laughs> and it turns out that they gave basically Gigi, I assume, her own card. And she and Hathaway are going to stay at the same hotel. Yeah. And they, they need them to go to the hotel because apparently they don't have time to, like, finish questioning them that night. Like, they want they want to come back tomorrow in the morning. And then when they get to the hotel, Gigi right away is like, oh, Hathaway, just stay in my suite. The government gives them both a two-bedroom suite. And so instead of sleeping in two separate two-bedroom suites Gigi's like ah Hathaway just just come stay with me and so right away you're like wow this girl means business yeah definitely uh, what what did you take it to mean though like did Gigi say something to her investigator the guy in- interviewing her you know it's a great question did she, did she pull rank or something like she's not I don't I don't yeah. know what to think about Gigi at this point after only one film okay I think we need to see the the other films I do have this bad feeling that Gigi is going to ruin everything for everyone <laughs> by, oh. by the end of this. I, I think there's probably more to Gigi than we know. I can't tell if she's telling the truth about anything at this point. Yeah, you might be right. As soon as I saw the interaction, though, with her and the interviewer, I was like, oh, God, she has pull or something. Or she's someone's daughter that's really high up to the point where this guy interviewing her would kind of cut it short based on her saying we should stop and then give Hathaway the the go-ahead to like Gigi's leaving she pretty much wants you to go with her right we'll stop the interview go with her yeah I couldn't tell if it was just her feminine wiles or that she's from some third organization or fourth organization that we don't know about yet who's trying to either find Mafti or find someone in the government I I don't know I don't know what to think of her yet so what happens Brian when they're actually at the hotel now staying in the same room well then they have a discussion new types actually get get brought up a little bit in a discussion about what Gigi thinks Mafti should do. She tells him that he's going about it the wrong way. And Gigi says, well, Mafti should establish an, an infallible dictatorship, uh, which, <laughs> which which cracks Hathaway up. I think Hathaway says something like, well, you can't do that unless you're God. And then they get into this discussion about, they somehow compare new types to God or being new types. And then Hathaway interestingly says, well, there are no such thing as new types. How, how did you take that? Isaac, I mean, Hathaway witnessed firsthand some of the strongest new types yeah. in the timeline. I think Hathaway's kind of doing everything in his power to, like, 
not give any more information, any accurate information to Gigi. He wants to continue the pretense that he's not Mafty, pretty much disagree with anything she says, and just try to do what he can to keep her off balance, as useless as that is, <laughs> since she's she clearly knows a lot of things and is very perceptive. Yeah, he, you can just tell that Tamino wrote this. You've got everyone that has their own opinion who's not necessarily saying exactly what they think, but they're trying to figure out what everyone else is doing at the same time. So there's just a lot of like, yeah, a lot of assumptions being made on on all parties, parts. Yeah, and and at this point, I think uh, Hathaway's kind of rested a bit, and he says he's gonna go for a walk or something. He asks her if she, or no, he he accidentally walks in on her, and she's changing in like the common room that they have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a poorly veiled attempt at her part, I think. Yeah, and uh, she gets upset. <laughs> <laughs> but Hathaway just doesn't give an F. No, he's got things to do. <laughs> yeah, he's, <laughs> that's but about the right way to put it. He's got things to do. <laughs> she's very offended, though, even though she's essentially changing in, like, their living space. <laughs> so <laughs> she hides herself out of shame. And then he, he invites her on the walk again. And then, like, I think she tells him, just go. So he says, fine, whatever. And he leaves. But he's actually not going on a walk, Brian, is he? No, he meets up with some of his Mafty operatives. He goes to like this, was like a botanical center or something. Yeah. Uh, His cover is essentially he's working as like a, what did he call himself? Like a botanical observer? Did I get that right? Something like that. He's there to study at the botanical center. Uh, Which kind of goes a a little bit in line with what his his overall goal is, but we'll we'll get to that in a a bit. And then I I thought that was interesting that what he says to those operatives, Isaac, because at this point, you know, Gigi is very sharp, but Hathaway is also clearly very sharp. I mean, again, like you said, we don't really know how he has amassed this following in in these forces, but you do know that he's clearly a very sharp guy. And he does admit to these operatives that he's not sure if Gigi will end up being a Federation spy but he knows that it wouldn't be good to have her as an enemy. I thought that was interesting. Like, because there's nothing he can do at this point to really stop her, because she already figured him out, right? Even though he hasn't outwardly admitted that she figured him out. Yeah, and I mean, it's also pretty clear that if she wanted to turn him in, she probably could have already. Correct. So her her motives are very questionable and, and uncertain at this point. Yeah, yeah. As they're leaving the botanical gardens, and after Hathaway buys some clocks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? He bought like six identical like children's toy clocks. <laughs> I was going to ask you what the point of that was. Like, okay, not to jump ahead, but like later on in the movie, there's a point where Officer Kenneth is talking to him and he was like, you know, those aren't good gifts. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only are they not good gifts, but weren't they basically like burned in the fire? Oh, like they were all torched. Yeah. I didn't notice that. I assumed Kenneth was meaning, well, you know, he's been in the area as an officer Uh-oh. for a while. He kind of knows what's valuable and what's interesting. And he, you essentially bought junk. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Maybe not. But anyways. All right. It's at this point, Brian, where uh, Hathaway and the agents for Mafty are kind of walking around, keeping a low profile, talking a bit. And guess who shows up to ruin the day here in this, this small seaside uh, city? Yeah, we see that we see the Manhunters, and this is what Mafty doesn't like. This is what his organization is fighting against. The overall problem in the Universal Century was overpopulation on Earth. That's why people had to leave and go live in space. And then the One Year War happened, and obviously that didn't work out too well. So now you still have this overpopulation problem, and it seems like the Earth Federation, through this Manhunter task force, is seeking out people who don't have a permit to live on Earth and then deporting them to space. 
And of course, when you do that, Isaac, that seems like something that's very susceptible to things like bribes or just privilege overall, right? So what you're going to end up with is all of the higher status individuals in society living on Earth, and then they're going to ship all basically the the poor and underprivileged people away. What a relevant topic for today's world. Absolutely. And I was I was trying to piece together just based on the conversation with him and the taxi driver, really, like, what is the situation like in the Earth sphere right now? People are leaving the colonies for Earth. Are things bad in the colonies? You know, the Titans are long gone. Are the colonies overpopulated, too? Are things just not great there? He was talking to the taxi driver and they were talking a little bit about the environment, right? And how there's not a ton of fish and there's more pollution lately. Things looked okay around the island. So yeah, it was hard for me to get a grasp of the whole situation right now and why Mafti's fighting, why the hunters were being so aggressive, really. This never seemed to be a problem before (laughs) in the UC timeline. I don't know. I was trying to reach and and grasp what was going on. The way I took it was Char knew that the Earth's environment was bad and that the humans were basically not making it any better and that the solution was to leave Earth alone for a while. His method of getting everyone off Earth was just force them to leave by making it uninhabitable for a while. Now, obviously, his plan didn't work out. It was foiled. That doesn't mean that the the environmental issue was dealt with. So the environmental issue is still there. So it's still going downhill. They're not addressing it. I thought the taxi driver really represented the local opinion where, well, my area is fine, so I don't particularly care. The people on the island have enough fish or whatever. But I think Hathaway said something to the effect of, yeah, but Mafti's thinking about over the next thousand years, not just this year. Like, you know, what, what is your impact on, on this world and, and how, you know, how can we fix it, basically? So I, I thought Mafti is looking at it from the macro level where the taxi driver was looking at it on the micro level. And this was also, this was the first time where I think Hathaway had some doubt enter his mind. Because remember the, I mean, it was clear the taxi driver did not like the Manhunters, right? But he also said something like, yeah. he also criticized Mafti's tactics or something. He said something like, you have too much schooling. He better just like get on with it. He was wondering why Ma- Mafti didn't take more direct action, I guess. Which is a, a more simplistic view, which aligns with his, well, my island is fine. I don't whatever about the rest whereas again mafti is looking at the long term probably being more cautious that that's how i took it but not sure what the intent was yeah and again i feel like we've seen so little of mafti what they're fighting for what what their version of a good operation is at this point it's it's still hard to grasp everything that's going on i feel like as far as backstory and setup yeah but moving along brian at this point in the story it's, it's pretty late at night at down at the hotel Hathaway goes back. But I think Kenneth comes over to the hotel to visit him and Gigi, right? Yeah, well, more than that, when he gets back, oh. Kenneth is basically already preparing to take Gigi out. <laughs> so, you know, Kenneth is uh, pretty aggressive in his pursuit of, of, uh, of our Gigi and Lucia. Uh, Gigi, I think they say is what, like, she can't be more than 18 to 20. I assume she was in her low 20s. Kenneth has got to be, what, mid-20s? Maybe late 20s or something like that. Let's, let's see. And by the way, listeners, Kenneth is seemingly the commanding officer for the area, right? Yes. Well, he, he's uh, the newly installed captain of the Kimberley forces, who he, who he wants to rename, but that's a separate discussion. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly, I can't name it after myself. That's too vain. <laughs> At least he admitted the it. Kenneth Regiment. <laughs> yeah, Gigi's 19. Okay. Yeah. Wow. 
I, at this point in the story, I was my brain was still spinning like, why the heck was she on the plane? <laughs> and then I was wondering also, how did Hathaway get on this plane? Like, mm. I'm not sure a botanical researcher can afford a ticket on a plane <laughs> alongside, you know, very wealthy people and powerful politicians. Uh, well, maybe he's not a botanical researcher. <laughs> <laughs> Hathaway is 25, by the way. Okay. Wouldn't that raise flags, though? Like It did. Well, it certainly uh, raised I, a flag I, with Kenneth. Yeah, I mean, like, what? Why is he on this flight right. as opposed to a cheaper flight that you know, a young man could afford, a student or something like that? Yeah. But um, anyways, all right. So Kenneth and Gigi go out for a night on the town, and boy, do they dance the night away, Brian. <laughs> they do, they do. <laughs> and then we get probably one of the most important sequences of the film right here. The dance sequence. Well, <laughs> the the thing that's happening simultaneously with the dance sequence. And that is Hathaway let, lets them go clubbing. And we have this weirdly shot sequence where he kind of wonders aloud what he should do. There's maybe one other time in the movie, but this is probably the time in the movie when he clearly spells out what his goal is. And this whole movie, by the way, just has like a very different cinematography style, if you can call it that since it's animated, uh, than we've ever seen in Gundam before. And I assume that's because of the director and his that's just his style. But it was great. I, I think I really liked it. And they, you know, we've talked about how in the past that they've said that Sunrise and, and the director and uh, some of the other people who worked in the film said that they set out to make a very cinematic movie, like a, like a, they treated it like they were making a live action movie. And it definitely felt more like a live action movie than Gundam that we've seen yeah. in the past. Did you get that same vibe? Yeah. I don't know exactly what it is, but this feels very um, different in a good way. It's a... Uh, high quality anime especially this part next coming up with the combat the cockpit was amazing mm -hmm. i couldn't believe how great the animation was i think we've reached peak cockpit they might have outdone unicorn oh yeah i think they did for sure yeah yeah so not only was the animation great but just the way like the angles and stuff they use for example when hathaway's sitting in the hotel by himself he's laying on the bed and he's wondering and we get this really like surreal close-up on his face and he's holding that hotel card just the way it moves like we don't, we wouldn't see that in a normal Gundam anime series at least and right. he, he wonders aloud so tell me then how does one go about destroying this mechanism the human race as a whole can't possibly continue living on earth if we do there will be no consolation for the rebellion Shar started or for the people who died back then as long as we have exceptions we will continue having inequities and that's basically his whole philosophy so that's what Mafti wants to do he wants to make everyone on earth leave by killing all these Federation cabinet ministers and having no one left on Earth because he believes as long as you allow someone to live on Earth, separate from the people in space, you will create inequity. This is where he is the, the combination of both Shar and Amuro. He has Shar's desire to get everyone off Earth, but he's doing it in a more peaceful way, whereas Shar was just, well, I'll just make the whole damn Earth uninhabitable and screw everyone on there. This is the Amuro part of him saying, well, I, that's not a very like ethical way to go about it, let me just try to get to the same result in a slightly less, you know, lethal way. So that was that was your scene that explains it in the most clearest terms that I think this film will offer. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. I never really thought about it like that, but he's really essentially only targeted the government leaders. And speaking of targeted, while well, he's laying there at night and the, the clock ticks down to 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. or something like that, mm -hmm. Mafty mobile suits show up. Yeah, I think he wakes up, right? Like three... 3.40 in the morning or something. I assumed he couldn't go to sleep because he knew they were coming. Right, yeah. 
this fight was uh, great, Isaac. So these two Mafti suits, uh, called, they're called Messers, I believe. They look like newer Garadogas. They've got, what, like a reddish-pink color scheme, like a, like a burnt red kind of? Yeah, and, and as we later see, this is the only color Mafti suits have. <laughs> so I think this, is this Hathaway's nod to Char? Like, he's like, well, Red's always been associated with the, the incredible ace enemy that the Federation fights. If I make all my mobile suits red, it'll be that much, a bit of a psychological edge, maybe, when going up against the Federation? It's a good point. They didn't really address that in the film. Some people do believe that he's, what do they say, the ghost of Shar Aznable, uh, which is somewhat true, right? Yeah, I mean, they're really similar organizations. If you look at the Mafti logo, which I, I believe shows up right in the beginning of the film and then again throughout, it's it's very Zeon-esque, especially Neo-Zeon-esque with the red and gold. So that, that can't be coincidence. No, probably not. Personally, I'm not a fan of the logo. I think it's a little, I don't know, anarchist. <laughs> oh, really? I thought it was good. I, well, I thought it worked for his group. I mean, you know, he's, he's, yeah. his, his group is not like a, a principality like Zeon was, no. right? I mean, they are literally a underground fighting force. Yeah, closer to Aug than uh, right. really any faction that actually held territory. Yeah. These two messers show up. I liked that this was like a very focused fight. Yeah, small scale, really. There's two on, you know, whatever the Earth Federation was willing to send out. We do hear the Mafti forces say, like, oh, make sure to break off after 10 minutes. All they're trying to do is go in and kill these cabinet ministers that are staying at this hotel. And Hathaway tells them, I think, back when he met with them, to make sure you just fire above my room. <laughs> so fire at the hotel, but just only hit the floors above me. And when he wakes up, Isaac, when he gets out of bed, he realizes what's happening. He goes and gets Gigi. And she asks, she asks, I thought she had a good question. She says, is this a Mafty thing? And he says, I don't know. It's an organization. It can't just be one person. And she again yeah. calls him a liar. So she, again, <laughs> she's unwilling to believe Hathaway's lie. Or she's seeing right through him. And, man, he sees that hotel just take that that beam, like, right through it. This whole fight was, like, going back to the cinematography point. So they're, they're trying to get out. They're going down in this elevator. There's basically this really tense moment where they have to take their elevator down right there on this big hotel on, like, the 30-something floor. If the hotel gets too damaged during while they're on the elevator, you know, they're going to get stuck. The elevator's going to stop. So... Then we get this really weird shot in the elevator of Gigi looking at him. It's like really close on her face and just a weird angle. It's something you'd see in like a, I feel like you'd see this shot in like a Christopher Nolan film. And the way we saw the hotel get shot from Mafti's point of view in his hotel room, looking out the window at the other hotel. And it was very quiet. It was at night. The beam went through and you could tell that just there was this, all this collateral damage. The focus of this fight, I felt, was on the human damage from the fight rather than the actual fight. The actual action in the sky felt like a plane dogfight in, in like a like a war film. And did you notice the the beam splashes, Isaac, melting everything? Yeah, when they like fall off and they hit like kind of guardrails or little little street lamppost things. Yeah, there was also one of the suits dropped something, and we saw it land on the ground and just kill a bunch of people. Yeah. I think it was a missile or something that fired, because all right, the Federation sends out. A small amount, like less than a dozen suits, to fight these uh, Mafti guys, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think they're in. A, I think they're called Gustav Carls. It's the weirdest suit name in the in the entire franchise, the Gustav Carls. They look like I don't know, with bulky Jigans. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. Anyways, 
even though Mafti is a terrorist organization, like even the Mafti pilot was surprised that the Federation pilots would fire at Mafti if the Federation was above them. Mm-hmm. So that means if the Federation misses, that fire is going straight into the city. Right. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah, it looked like those were missiles or something and they landed and I guess that one didn't detonate or something because it went straight into the ground. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't pretty. All the while, by the way, uh, Hathaway's running around with Gigi and she's only in like a robe and I don't know, they're kind of stumbling around. He's trying to keep it, keep it together. But there was an agent of Mafti that was supposed to collect Hathaway, I assume, and get him to a car. She's kind of has to trail along with, with Hathaway because he didn't follow the plan. <laughs> He's with Gigi. He did not want to get in the car. They're just running on foot. I don't know if he he thought it was safer or if he thought, well, I can't take Gigi to wherever we're going because that'll compromise information. I'm just going to have to run on foot to make sure she lives. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He even wonders aloud, I think, or maybe not aloud, but he definitely wonders in his mind, am I going to ruin everything again by not letting her go? Is that when we get the quest flashback? It's about this time, yeah. Or, or no, I think it's he's watching Mobile Suit Combat, I think, and that's what triggers him to have a flashback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can tell that that Mafty operative. I couldn't tell. Was that Emerelda or was that someone else? You mean from earlier? Maybe it was Emerelda. I don't know. There, there was two girls that looked similar. It was hard to catch everyone's name on one watch. Yeah, the the guy he met at the Botanical Gardens. I thought he was the pilot. Then I find out they're two different people later on. The guy <laughs> yeah. takes off his helmet and he has a huge scar. Yeah. <laughs> You could tell, though, that that Mafti operative uh, was upset that he wasn't following the plan. And I think she even says something like, Hathaway, you're showing them all your weakness. And I, I wondered if that meant that he has a weakness for, like, these women that are, like, have this ethereal presence, like Quest and, and, and Gigi. And perhaps that lady, that, he, that girl that he meets at the end of the film. Did you sense that there was something there? We, uh, that's obviously at the very end, but... Yeah, I couldn't... I don't know. There, there are so many questions... <laughs> I could I couldn't tell for certain. Clearly, Hathaway has a one of his weaknesses is not letting women go. So, yeah, re- really focusing on <laughs> women and then tragedy strikes. But it's all for naught because eventually the Federation does manage to. I guess they drive off one mobile suit or they destroyed it, but they definitely incapacitate and capture another one on the ground. They do, and then once we get that guy on the ground, we meet the pilot of the Penelope who was up in the sky. Those messers were actually doing very well against the Gustav Carls. Oh my God. They were kicking their ass, even though they were outnumbered. I couldn't believe it. (laughs) Yeah. And and when you say kicking their ass, he like literally kicked that one Gustav Carl away. But yeah, but then the Penelope comes in and it's not quite a fair fight. No, that Penelope in its flight mode, it looks kind of like a a manta, an X-shaped manta. It's got like an X-shape and a long tail flying around through the sky. But yeah, it manages to uh, definitely turn the tide and they get the messer on the ground. Gustav Carl puts a beam saber in it. I thought they killed the the messer, but... So did I. That was very confusing. I, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they're better using their beam sabers than they are in airborne combat because <laughs> they did terribly <laughs> despite having home field advantage and numerical advantage. Yeah. <laughs> they managed to pop the pilot out of the cockpit. He gets captured and... Who shows up? It's Kenneth, right, Brian? It's Kenneth, yes. And immediately he notices, or Gigi actually runs to him, right? Once she sees that he's there. Yeah, she's at this. She's been traumatized enough for the night. She's just crying and screaming. Well, see, see, that's what I don't know, Isaac. Is she traumatized from the night, or is she playing with Hathaway's emotions? Because Hathaway just shielded this girl, 
and they ran through all this danger to get out of the hotel and then immediately she leaves him for kenneth i don't know i mean i don't know i think it was legitimate okay also she knows she's going to be safer with kenneth probably right because he showed up in a ship yeah yeah. (laughs) a ship that apparently has blankets and hot cocoa (laughs) it does have hot cocoa yes we also meet the pilot of the Penelope. Kenneth introduces us to Lane Aim, another great Gundam name right there. <laughs> <laughs> On the nose. What do you think about Lane? I mean, Hathaway says he Lane reminds him of, of himself when he stole the Jigen back in the day. But Kenneth, though, isn't very positive towards Lane. He, I think he even calls him useless. Yeah, he says he's only good as like a test pilot, right? Other than that, he's useless. But... um. I was not a Lane fan. Lane looks like he's, what, 14 years old or something like that. I, How did he become the pilot of such an advanced suit that they can't even get full performance out of? But whatever. That always seems to happen with whoever gets to be the Gundam pilot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's he's 22. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, they, Lane takes off again after giving uh, Hathaway the side eyes. And then uh, Hathaway and Kenneth are back inside the little drop ship <laughs> with Gigi getting some hot cocoa. And <laughs> I think that's when Kenneth lets it slip that, yeah, the ministers were all got all got killed during the night. So it was a successful Mafti operation. Yeah, I wasn't clear if he did that on purpose to see, knowing that Hathaway might be Mafti, just to see his reaction. And that was when they were eating breakfast, right? Was it? They went back to base after this? Yeah, I guess they did, huh? Yeah, and this is also when I think Kenneth very bluntly says like he wants to sleep with Gigi, right? Yes, that was very <laughs> awkward. There, him, uh, Kenneth Hathaway, and Gigi are having breakfast. And by the way, Gigi's eating steak for breakfast, which is another reason why I think she might be evil. It just it seems like <laughs> you know, just a very aggressive food to eat after a night of trauma. But um, Brian, she burned a lot of carbs running around <laughs> the city. All right, in the middle of the night, she's refueling. All right, she just she needs food and bed. <laughs> Oh, uh, maybe, maybe. All right, I'll, I'll give her benefit of the doubt. Uh, yeah, and then this is where Kenneth goes into this whole thing about, oh, I want to rename the Kimberley unit to the Cersei unit, and, and then he says, well, you should sleep with me, so my my Cersei unit can inherit the power of the real Cersei, who soothes savage beasts. Yeah, he he brings up like a few times in the movie, like, oh, you're good luck. You're like our goddess of luck, or something like that, which was I always thought was weird because like shit's always happening how can she be lucky right it's the opposite we lost part of the government (laughs) a large portion i mean imagine in the real world if your country lost 18 of its you know senators or something in one night that would be catastrophic that's unheard of (laughs) just because you like shot down one of the enemy fighter planes responsible you wouldn't be like ah you know this woman i met today she must be lucky yeah you'd be like this <laughs> so, was the worst uh governmental official tragedy yeah. in the history of our government <laughs> if char was like a sledgehammer attacking earth then then mafty's like a scalpel <laughs> <laughs> so yeah kenneth says that and it really rubs hathaway the wrong way he says he really doesn't like it when people talk that bluntly and i, I think he books it right he doesn't want to be there anymore around kenneth yeah pretty much you can start to see that those those two don't particularly like each other after that, Mafty and Kenneth go their separate ways a bit. Did you catch this? I thought that was pretty funny. They're finally getting interrogated by that CPO guy. And he, the, the CPO guy outwardly admits he doesn't know why there were that many ministers on a plane together in like a place that Mafty operates out of. <laughs> like Basically admitting <laughs> no. that it was a stupid thing to have that many ministers on the same flight staying in the same location. 
I didn't catch that part. I think I, I, I focused in on when he said that like he doesn't know why he's down there either. Like, oh, the yeah. backwater. He wants to be somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. You could tell the uh, a government job is a government job, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and then, But then this is also the second point in the movie. So remember, the taxi driver criticized Mafti's tactics uh, earlier. And then this guy also criticizes Mafti's tactics. And he says, but in the end, people won't side with Mafti anyway because he uses terrorist tactics. And that's exactly what happens. We see a little bit later on. I don't remember if it was after this fight or uh, after the final fight, but Hathaway is walking around just in the crowd somewhere and people are watching the television screens and you hear people uh, walking by saying like, what's Mafti doing? He's just shooting at anything that moves or something like that, you know, referring to all the collateral damage. So Mafti clearly has his methods, but I don't think he's used to other people judging his methods. Yeah, and I think um, I think when Kenneth and... I think when they're having breakfast after, that's when Gigi lets slip that the reason she was on the plane is because she's the lady friend of a count. Yes, a count. <laughs> How about that, Isaac? Yeah, so that explains why she was on there. She's not a politician. She's not an agent. She's the uh, the special friend yeah. of a count. <laughs> yeah, and that count is in his 80s, and he bought her an apartment in Hong Kong, and she was on her way to go see it. Yeah, they're like, oh, you have an apartment, but you don't know, you have the wrong address or something like that, or something didn't add up with the apartment. It was empty. Kenneth went to go. He had it looked into, and it was empty. So he, which, by the way, what a creeper, right? You know. What, the count? No, no, Kenneth. Kenneth. Well, both, but but Kenneth, you know, uh, let me go check out your apartment when you're not there. I mean, there's an ongoing investigation. Apparently, the military is running their own, but um, yeah. So that explains it. That explains why she was on the plane. So case closed for that, as far as I'm concerned. Unless she's manipulating the count, Isaac. Well, you never know. Mm. Yeah, she's down for the count. Oh. Oh. I'm going to write that one in the notes. That one's going in the show description. <laughs> At this point, uh, Hathaway, you know, he's he decides to book it, go to the beach, and uh, he gets picked up by a boat that takes him to another boat that takes him to the Mafty base. Yes. What did you think about the Mafty base, Isaac? I was watching it, and I was like, okay, from what I heard, they said that they're based out of Australia, and then I was looking closer at the base, and I was like, oh, my God, that's the wreckage of a colony. Oh, is that what that was? Oh, interesting. I did not yeah, catch that. That's why it's like huge panels laid out and all that, and they're covered in grove. Yeah, it was the wreckage of Sydney. I love that. I can't believe I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, so Mafti built their whole base underneath this wreckage um, right on top of the water, no one's in Australia, right? Or very few people because of the colony drop. So perfect place to hide. Yeah, definitely. And so he goes to the base and we, we very quickly find out, Isaac, that they need to go do a midair pickup of something. The movie kind of gets real fast here. Was it exactly clear to you why they needed to do a midair pickup? No. He shows up at Mafti and I I mean... Everybody seems like they're good, kind of honest people, which kind of threw me for a loop. Yes, Mafti's kind of the good, the good bad guys, but I don't know. I I just kind of wanted more explanation, right? But I didn't get that at all. Instead, it was just, all right, welcome back, boss. You know, we're we're getting ready to head out, and then they are immediately almost launching their their seaborne rocket mobile suit. <laughs> <laughs> the way I interpret it. And this is just common in a lot of Tomino's Gundam stuff. He expects you to make a lot of inferences. He expects you to make them correctly. The, what I inferred from this was that, I mean, you're watching a Gundam show, so clearly they're going to go pick up a Gundam. 
and I'm imagining that it's very hard. I think Mafti can't just walk into Anaheim and buy a Gundam, right, Isaac? Yeah, that wasn't explained either. So they're picking up a Gundam, which is the Penelope sister unit, right? Yeah. <sighs> they, they get it in space, but this whole time I was wondering, like, did they steal this was this meant to be picked up by the federation where did this come from what's the explanation that's usually a big part of a gundam series or movie right like why the gundam is there yeah i mean maybe it's clear if you watch it a few more times um the way i interpreted it was there was some backroom deal maybe that was as far as anaheim was willing to go to deliver it without okay. making it very clear that they were affiliated with mafty sure because he, okay. he's also probably getting his other suits from the messers i think those are also from anaheim because they're from the same series as the Garadogas, I believe. So, Well, sure, I'll buy it. <laughs> I mean, isn't that pretty awkward, though? Like, if you're the Federation, you go, well, I wonder where he got these suits from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. There, there's never a good explanation, right? Yeah. But that's how I took it, is that this is as far as the, the deliver guy was willing to go. And so they have to go the rest of the way and get it in, I don't know, low Earth orbit or something. Yeah, and um, after they actually get the mobile suit, the Penelope, I mean the sister Penelope, is this when the real Penelope shows up to attack them? It is, yes. And this is when we get the second sort of, second time in the movie where Hathaway kind of directly talks to the viewer and tells you what's going on. This is where he answers the question of why he was on the plane. He flew on the plane as Hathaway Noah so that he could get one last look at the cabinet ministers. And I took that to mean that he wanted to see them one more time to make sure that he wanted to go through with this. And then he makes a weird comment. He says, like, he, like, talks to Quest, even though she's not there, that he will change into Mafti. And then he, he, you know, he activates the Kasai Gundam, which I always thought it was pronounced Kasi, but I guess in here I think they said Kasai. I don't know. Do you have a, a good understanding of Greek letters, Isaac? No, I don't. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, we got Penelope and then Penelope's sister. <laughs> yes, it's the Kasai, apparently. Because they are identical, except for like a few shading colors. They they do look very similar. As he's booting up the Kasai Gundam, he kind of has like a bit of a, not like a panic attack, but like his vision starts going very fast, and it almost looks like the capsule that the Kasai is in is going to burn up. Did you, you know what I'm talking about? This is like a weird, this is a weird part of the movie. Was this when he had to open up his cockpit to rescue the uh, the hostage? No, no, no. That's 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 during. That's after oh. the fight ends, or right before the fight begins. Um, this is when he he hasn't even gotten out of the capsule yet. The oh. capsule's starting to burn up, and he and he says something like, "They they got me," and you, you think he's like gonna die, and then all of a sudden, like time goes backwards, and then he gets a flash of Amaro of all people, and Amaro gives him the most like bone chilling advice I've ever heard. That's like so true. In classic Amro fashion, Amro doesn't say hi. He just he gets right to the point and says, the Grim Reaper won't show up for you when you're ready for it. And that is just the most damnedest advice. I believe Amro is in his Shars counterattack uh, flight suit and the, the light of the psycho frame uh, overload, like the Axis shock was in the background. So you, this, this kind of tells you like what happened to Amro. Like, yeah, like he, he's gone. He disappeared as part of the Axis shock. And then Hathaway gives the most Amaro-like response. He says, he doesn't have to tell me that. He's just immediately like, I know. And like, I just, that's such an Amro thing. So this is just going back to the whole, Hathaway is a combination of Shar and Amro. So. <laughs> I vaguely remember that whole psychedelic movement part. I take it to mean this is clearly foreshadowing his eventual death? Could be. I think it's Amro's way of saying, hey, you need to be careful. 
Yeah, and <laughs> you're going to die before the movie ends. <laughs> <laughs> so Hathaway emerges out of the capsule in the Kasai, and Isaac, he kind of just murders all of the Gustav Carls. Yeah, I mean, some he doesn't even kill, right? He, like, blows off their arms and stuff like that. But he just kind of mows through them. And, you know, listeners, you may have noticed that the Penelope and the Kasai Gundam, uh, they do move very easily in midair, and that's because they have what's called the Minovsky Flight or the Minovsky Craft System. And we've talked about this before, but that's basically what allows the white base style ships to fly on, on Earth. Uh, they have sort of no restrictions in a, in a gravity environment, whereas the Gustav Karls do not. And so you, in this fight, it's sort of like, would you call it a free fall flight, Isaac? Yeah, they're plummeting and, um, oh God, that poor hostage pilot. The captured Messer pilot that Kenneth had after Kenneth tortured him a bit by bashing his face in the table, he was put inside the Penelope, handcuffed pretty much behind um, Lane, and Lane doesn't really want to fight with a hostage in his cockpit, so he decides to freefall him. That was a pretty cool scene. It was, yeah. Tells you a lot about Kenneth, too. Yeah, and Lane also, yeah. universally. Mm-hmm. Even as the Penelope and the sister unit are falling, they do, they do decide to fight as they're plummeting towards the sea. <laughs> And so Lane lets lets the hostage out, and to your point, Hathaway says, you know, Lane, you're an honorable man. He goes and picks up, uh, I believe his name is Gauman, uh, the, the Messer pilot, and it, when they when he got into Hathaway's cockpit, I was like, man, that Gauman guy must be tired today. He's been, like, in a lot of different cockpits. He's been tortured. He, he did free fall with no, with no parachute. Yeah. Poor guy's had a rough one. And he has to sit in like that that makeshift emergency second seat that they <laughs> that you can like deploy from the back of a of a cockpit inside the Penelope behind Hathaway, and oh god, I can you imagine the vertigo and like nausea you get sitting back there during mobile suit combat? Mm-hmm. And it's a three hundred and sixty degree cockpit, so not mm. only is it it's not like you know he can just kind of focus and close his eyes or something. Like the action is always around him. So yeah, that guy's having a rough day. But good move by Kenneth, um, even if it you know really shows that he's kind of a dick. But then, yeah, even better move by Lane, because, I mean, Lane clearly doesn't really want to be on Kenneth's team, or he doesn't really like him. Clearly, they don't really like each other. No, but Kenneth, or Lane clearly believes in himself, and, you know, I can go toe-to-toe with somebody. I don't need a hostage so the enemy pilot doesn't shoot at me. Right, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So they duel, again, once Mafti has rescued uh, Gauman. You know, overall, this film is, I think it's about an hour and 40 minutes-ish, hour and a half. Yeah. I think it only has maybe 20 minutes of mobile suit action tops, right? This is a very character right. film. This is the finale fight. What did you think about it? Um, it was very beam-heavy, let me say that. <laughs> the Penelope and its sister unit, they love beam weapons at fighting at range, mm-hmm. which is maybe the best, I think, just because of their dimensions. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, at this point, they're essentially, I don't know, flying battleships. <laughs> Yeah, they they were pretty cool. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I thought pretty much all the fight choreography in this film was was great. It was dif- definitely different than I think what we've seen in the past. I think all the battles here, Isaac, were they were at night, right? So it's not like we ever got like a really good close up of the suits. So maybe we'll see more of them in the later installments. But overall, I I liked the choreography. You know, there was good tension. And it's funny you mentioned the beam weaponry because they actually ended the fight with solid weapons. Lane kind of shot Mafty and he thought he got him but then all of a sudden Mafty appeared on the other side and just barraged Lane down with a bunch of missiles and and Lane kind of fell into the ocean 
Lane was pretty mad because he's like, I know, I know I shot him. That was a lethal hit. And then it turned out that he used his beam rifle as a decoy, and, and Lane shot that, and that's what he saw blew up, uh, blow up. So I, I thought that was yeah. good. I thought Lane might have died, or he would have died, because he was underwater when he came to, and he opened his cockpit, and it flooded. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote that down, too. Like, really bad decision to open the cockpit in that scenario, but... Yeah, I was like, even if you think you're captured, you know what? Opening opening the cockpit won't do much, and I assume he thought he was captured too, right? Or at least surrounded, because as soon as he gets to the surface, he takes out like his submachine gun. Right. Yeah, he's <laughs> trying to like you know clear the area, uh, I guess. Right. Yeah, but Mafti clearly doesn't seem like they they had no interest in capturing another gun immune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. They don't really have many suits. I did like that about Mafti. Yeah, Isaac is it? It doesn't seem like they have an army of stuff. No, which that begs so many questions, right? Like, where are they getting their funding? Are they only based on Australia on Earth? You know, who's making their suits? You got your theory about Anaheim. How come their suits are able to outperform the Gustav Carl so much? It, it, it just, it, it had a lot of implications, you know? They're they're clearly closer to Aug and Caraba than they are to any form of Neo-Zeon, which actually almost always had colonial support. Yeah, so Lane takes, like, a bunch of missiles to the face, basically. A lot of them. Kenneth's team do recover Lane. I think Kenneth makes a comment that it's a miracle that Lane is alive, given the damage to the Penelope. Mafti's team recovers Mafti and the Kasai. And then they go back to the base, and in, uh, as soon as they get back to the base, they're ready to go again, Isaac. They say, hey, we need to go to this place called Owen Belly, which is where a bunch of people who sound like they're sympathetic to Mafti, and they call themselves Mafti's army but they're not actually affiliated with Mafti. They're, I, apparently they've set up set up shop over there, so they're going to go check them out and see if they can be allies. Yeah, I assume we'll be hearing about them in the next movie. I would assume so, yeah. I mean, obviously, if, if Hathaway is going to put up more of a fight, he's going to need more than, what, two Messers and one Gundam? Probably, but I'm, I'm not sure. These guys might be over-the-top brutal, for all we know, so we'll see what actually happens. And it's also kind of impressive that Mafti has its own small fleet to do recoveries in the ocean. Yeah, I still wasn't clear on how big his fleet is. Like, to your point, do they have any space presence? That one messer really didn't seem like it was moving too well up in Earth orbit whenever they had to go get that pod. Yeah, I was wondering, like, why is this so difficult for her? Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe it's an Earth suit only. I, I don't know. Maybe it's not tuned for, for space. Yeah, I was like, okay, do you really need a Gundam if you want to survive re-entry? Is that what's going on here? I mean, in her defense, there was nothing to grip, right? They kind of made a point in the animation showing that she pretty much had to grip a smooth metal cylinder. Right, yeah. So is is this a case of, well, you're kind of using a, a forklift to try to move, I don't know, a hay bale or something. <laughs> it's not it's not the, the tool for the job. Yeah. <laughs> magnets, man. Got to use magnets. Magnets. <laughs> <laughs> So th- that's that's kind of where we leave off, right? I mean, it seems like we're going to go check out Owen Belly in the second one. And eventually we will probably get to, I imagine the third one will be about the conference that the ministers were on their way to. The only other thing I think that happens is that Gigi mentions that she decides to stay, stick around for a few more days. And Kenneth says, oh, that'll be interesting. So again, Gigi making moves. Yeah, they've got kind of their weird three-way love triangle thing going on. Yeah, did you notice that they made a really big point about Gigi's triangle earrings? No. Is that ref- supposed to ref- like point to the love triangle? I would assume so. But, I mean, it's it's kind of half a triangle, right? Because Hathaway, he seems to have no romantic interest in Gigi. 
especially not at the end because he he mentions you know i will cut off all relationships even gg and then that's when he sees sees amro and bursts out of the capsule so relationship he's known her for like 18 hours (laughs) hey man they shared a suite yeah oh like him and quest right they met for like four hours and they were joined at the hip since then oh god these new type children they just they make attachments real easy i know there's something weird about these new types god (laughs) who was that one character in f91 that said something like new types just sounded like the most miserable people (laughs) was it uh was it burgett it was it was i don't know it was someone from it was either from the movie or one or one of the side story mangas okay okay but yeah our movie ends there hathaway kind of walking on the ship after a uh successful recovery operation and roll credits <laughs> so what what were some of the things that you didn't like about the film i didn't like so much unknown about mafty i wanted to know where they got the gundam what are they fighting for what are their goals just more groundwork i think in the lead up it was very much you pick things up in conversation okay mafty's trying to take out cabinet ministers. Mafti has a handful of mobile suits. Why are these people in Mafti fighting for Mafti? All that stuff was unanswered, and I would like some more answers. Yeah, I think that was probably the main thing I, I was thinking as well. I was trying to think, like, how would you go do that? Because I don't feel like there was a lot of wasted space in the film. So really, the only way to get that in there would be to add more. And the film was already, I think Netflix says, you know, it's an hour and 36, so take out some for credits. So you're probably at an hour and a half. Do you need another 15 minutes of backstory? That that put you at an hour 45. Is that too long? I just wonder if they were... Maybe they didn't want to make it too long. Or, or maybe they're planning to do that in later installments. Like, does that slow down the movie if you start with, like, a 10-minute... This is Mafty, and this is what they do. Like, I agree with you. I'm just wondering how you get in the film. Yeah. Uh, I'd be happy with five minutes. Ten minutes. Yeah. You don't have to do a lot. You could do, like... I mean, they showed news stories in the movie. Gigi was reading a newspaper for a while. There's no reason you can't go more into what Mafti's done, you know, who they are, the types of people fighting for them, that kind of stuff that kind of builds the background story. But that aside, it was a beautiful looking film. A bit almost sparse on mobile suit combat. When we're actually seeing combat um, with an actual main character in the cockpit, it's pretty brief and small scale combat, you know, just Penelope versus the sister unit. The actual main battle between two of Mafti's mobile suits against, you know, a handful of Gustav Carls, that was mostly from the ground view of uh, Hathaway. And it wasn't a very long battle, and it wasn't too focused on the mobile suits so much as it was the civilians on the ground trying to survive. It was a lot like F91 in a way. Yeah, I think if you're if you're coming into this film wanting to see two hours of mobile suit combat, you know, you're not going to see that here. No. Very, very character-based drama. Yeah. I think we knew that going in, but I don't know if like an average person, if you're just clicking around on Netflix, if, no. if I don't know what Gundam is and I click on that, I see, oh, it came out today and I watch it and I'm like, well, where's the Gundam? It, you're in what, 20, 30 minutes before the first fight starts, right? Yeah. You'd be so lost. You'd think Gundam is someone's name, you know. <laughs> when, and, when does Gundam and, and, come on the screen? I mean, well, if you watch the first 10 minutes of this, you think, okay, this is going to be like a terrorism hostage anime or something right. like that, right? Yeah. Apparently it isn't. So I wouldn't be surprised if people give this moderate to mediocre reviews just based on what was in the movie. I'd even say that this might be better watched in its entirety at once 
you know, watch all three parts at once to get a better full movie experience than watching it in these individual segments, which is um, easier time-wise, but at the same time, probably not the best way to grasp the story. Yeah, that's fair. It was an enjoyable movie experience for me. Very drama-heavy. It would be probably enjoyed more by longtime Gundam fans compared to somebody that's looking for a, a quick uh, jump into mobile suit combat. Beautiful animation, great score, incredible voice action. I thought the voice acting was great, right? Yep. I was a little iffy on Gigi in the beginning on, from a voice perspective, but over the movie, I was I was definitely on board by the end, though. So she's not a quest no right? no I mean, <laughs> as mysterious as she is well maybe the mystery is kind of what makes her a great character the depths to her the layers to her you know she's not running around causing problems per se it was just it was pretty cool kenneth too because we think he's going to be mr uh, knight in shining armor right and it turns out he's I don't. He he at least spent a few semesters at the Basque Ulm Academy for <laughs> atrocious officers because he has no problem abusing people during interrogation. <laughs> yeah. So not only did he make uh, Gauman that hostage, he, he flat out told him, "Look, I have no problem pretending that you're Mafti and then executing you." Yeah, but I mean, wouldn't that be of limited use? Because Mafti will continue even after. Him. Right. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Maybe Kenneth was just saying that because he has people to answer to too. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, Gigi is one of those characters, I feel like. She makes you, you don't know what to think of her, so she makes you feel weird. And that's just, you know, it's pretty rare you get a a character like that in in anything, not just Gundam, right? So I'd say she's the most unpredictable character in the show. Oh, absolutely. I don't know what she's going to do. I don't know what to think about her. Yeah, what is she going to say? What is she going to reveal that she knows? What is her new type ability is going to show up again and clearly show that she's perceptive or... She can throw a, a monkey wrench in any situation, really, or help out in any situation. We, we kind of can guess what Ke- what Hathaway and Kenneth are going to do. But um, Gigi, well, she's a wild card. She's a really interesting character. Yeah, you got to watch out for Gigi. Yeah, and, then the, and her love of jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> you remember she was in the hotel room, and she, like, she handed Kenneth a necklace, right, and says, I need your help with this, when Kenneth was talking to Hathaway, right? Yeah, yeah. What was the point of that? I don't, was she kind of just rubbing in Hathaway's face like, I'm going out with Kenneth tonight? <laughs> Again, I think that's, yeah, Gigi, everything she does can have two meanings. She was either innocently asking for help because she's young and can't reach, or, like you said, she's rubbing it in Hathaway's face that she's not going with him and she's going with Kenneth. So it's like, is she either just this nice perceptive girl or is she this manipulative, <laughs> mysterious, you know, no. force of nature? <laughs> Brian, she could reach. She could any piece of jewelry you can put on on yourself. All right, I'm telling <laughs> you, just, she had. It's, it's just it was a power move asking Kenneth to put it on in front of Hathaway. Absolutely, and that's what I'm saying. I'm saying her steak breakfast was a power move too, Isaac. She's got a, an end game here. I just don't know what it is yet. Hathaway seems so done with her when they were having breakfast at the military base because, like, if you remember, he makes like some kind of dismissive comment to like the clothes she actually got, right? Oh yeah, he's like something like I mean, I guess it looks good for something you bought at the at the military like gift shop or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> she got like she had like a Billy Eilish kind of look, right? Yeah. Like a hoodie and like an oversized top and all that. Big jacket. So yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I thought it worked. So Hathaway he seemed done with the relationship <laughs> that morning. <laughs> we'll see. There's still time. He's like I'm busy. I'm a, I'm the leader of a terrorist organization. I don't have time <laughs> to hang out with you. 
<laughs> is there anything that you want to any notes you had on the mecca isaac i would say that i wish i saw more of the penelope and the sister unit because it felt like a lot of the times maybe it's too big for its own good um <laughs> we didn't get that great of a look at it right we did and not. i'd go a step further and say because so much combat happened at night mm-hmm. we really didn't get a good look at any of the mobile suits we saw a few messers in the hangar bay at the Mafti base, but I I don't think I could draw one from memory compared to like a Zaku or a Dom or a Guff, you know, right. the same thing with the uh, the Gustav Carls. Something that's running a running theme with the Gustav Carls and the Messers is they're kind of shrouded in shielding. Yes. I've noticed that a lot. Mm-hmm. Like at this point in the UC, I think their mobile suit development really focused on shields for some reason. Um, and the shield is covering up a, like one third of each mobile suit. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like uh, they really left me wanting more for mobile suit combat, and this was really more the uh, the drama intro to the the trilogy. Yeah, I do feel like they set up a lot of the drama in this one. I'm wondering yeah. if the other installments will be a little more mobile suit heavy as we get closer to the climax of the story. I definitely agree on they they're. A lot of these suits, they're just very bulky. This is no knock on the combat. I, I thought the combat in the show was great. I, I do wish we had a little more, but again, maybe that will come in time. The Penelope and the Kasai, I agree. We definitely did not get a good look at them. Hopefully we do before you know, yeah. the next two movies are done. Uh, because they're great designs. I just want to see more of them. Right. I mean, especially since they have like a flight mode and like yeah. more of a combat mode. It was really a shame that... Even though combat was happening at night, we weren't really seeing too much of them lit up by like, you know, a burning city or stuff like that that usually happens in Gundam. Yeah. The fight with the Messers against the Gustav Carls over Deval, I I felt like that was maybe a bit of the a more disappointing fight because so much of it was happening at long distance. Like they'd show the Gustav Carls as just lights in the distance for most of the fight. We didn't see too much of that from the point of view of the master pilots. And the closest look I think you get the Gustav Carls is when they're on the ground, kind of getting kicked around buildings, or <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> when, when when they finally manage to like corner a messer in like a park. <laughs> yes, yes. After the Penelope bullied him enough to get overwhelmed. Yeah, it takes two Gustav Carls apparently to fight one unarmed messer. Because <laughs> if you remember, he didn't have a gun, right? Oh, no, yeah. He his shield was gone. I think at that point too. <laughs> Poor guy. One Gustav Carl has to like face off with the messer and then another one has to like come up behind it and beam saver it in the back. <laughs> yes, yeah, it was very it was a bullied fight. From what I've seen, I like how the Gustav Carls look, and that's saying a lot since I'm a pro Zeon. Yeah. But um oh god, they performed terrible. <laughs> yeah, they they didn't have a good showing, that's for sure. It's probably not fair to judge them based on that fight with the Kasai Gundam, just based on equipment, right? I mean they don't have the Minofki craft, but the one thing I do like yeah. about the Gustav Carl is I've always thought that the the Jagan, I just I've never liked that really light color scheme. I thought it was too light. Right. I really like the Gustav Carl. It has like a darker scheme, almost more like Titans colors, and I think it just looks way better. It reminded me of uh, Ensign Riddy a lot, like how he favored like a lot of navy blue. Mm, yep. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of navy blue showed up. I think in Londo Bell. Yeah. Towards the end of like Unicorn, so that looks really good. I think on Federation, that's like. I don't know. Maybe at that point in the UC, it's be- Federation almost never uses red and white. They just switch to, you know, strong blues. But um, I think <laughs> if I'm remembering right in the battle with the uh, the Penelope, 
I think they actually showed the Gustav Carls pulling back to like their drop ships, right, and getting the heck out of yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm done here. It's okay. They're like, there's, there's not much we can do. Why don't we just leave it to the, the actual Gundam? You know, don't waste your suit, basically. God, they're so they take up so much space on the drop ship. They do. It's pretty bulky. Oh my God! I just realized why I like the Gustav Carls because they're pretty much Federation doms. Not only are they Federation doms, but they they also look a lot like your favorite, your other favorite federation suit which is the gm cannon 2 from double 83 yeah it has like the same wow. silhouette right like the bulkier gm silhouette yeah i like my eating disorder mobile suit <laughs> isaac yeah. just he's down with the thickness for sure yeah down with the thickness <laughs> you mother got down with the thickness <laughs> except it's like a picture of the gustav carl's face going yeah just the gustav carl and a dom at a table just eating <laughs> They're they're bulking. We'll have fourths. Yeah. <laughs> the last point I wanted to make, Isaac, was more of a philosophical point. So I went around and read some comments. I guess I should say overall, it seems like everyone's generally enjoying the film. Maybe not like in love with it, but it seems like everyone's enjoying it. One of the biggest trends I was seeing is that a lot of people were thinking that the events of Unicorn would have influenced this story in some fashion. If you take a step back, you you know why that's not true. Just because well, Unicorn wasn't written when ha- when you know Hathaway's Flash was written, right? Unicorn was twenty whatever twenty ten. Hathaway's Flash is from nineteen eighty nine. So clearly, <laughs> Hathaway's Flash cannot take into account Unicorn just based on that. Without going too much into the ending of Unicorn, the Federation kind of puts the Unicorn incident. They, they kind of erase it, right? And so I think that brings up just a bigger question of like, which flavor of Gundam do you prefer? Because Unicorn is a very different series from the tone of this film and presumably the the two following films. You have Unicorn that really delves into like the new type space magic. And then you've got Hathaway, which is much more on the, you know, maybe there's some new type presence, but it's not nearly into the same realm as the, I'll call it space magic that's in Unicorn. It's much more grounded and political and character based. Which flavor of Gundam do you favor? Right? Because I think there might be some splintering now of where people are like oh i love unicorn why wasn't this exactly the same you know that that kind of thing because for example if we get unicorn 2 in a few years you know presumably if it's going to be made by the same person who made unicorn then it's probably going to be closer to unicorn than it is to hathaway so which flavor of gundam do you want i think it's not even a contest i think unicorn is superior unicorn is peak and pinnacle gundam it has a way better balance of drama and dialogue compared to actual mobile suit combat. Um, I feel like its story is much more balanced if that's the route they go or the general overview of how a Gundam story movie series should go. This run through of Hathaway, it wasn't perfect. Didn't really stick the landing as far as I'm concerned. It might have been a bit too slow in some parts. I was missing information in some areas. The cockpit animation was beautiful, but overall, I I didn't get enough mobile suit combat. And it's a little unfair to judge it right now, though, because I'm only seeing part of the trilogy. So ultimately, I'd like to reserve judgment. But if I had to give an answer today, a verdict right now, uh, Unicorn all the way. Interesting. Interesting. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say uh, oh I, I like the Hathaway uh, flavor more than the Unicorn flavor. Oh, yeah. I did not. We haven't talked about Unicorn yet, but I did not particularly enjoy the ending of Gundam Unicorn. No, but you damn well enjoyed the beginning and the middle. <laughs> I did enjoy the fights and the animation and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
but I think I prefer the the Hathaway story more than I liked the the unicorn story so far. But again, I, I would also reserve judgment on Hathaway. I, I'm not even going to give it a rating today because we haven't seen the other two. Oh, parts, I will. So. <laughs> <laughs> we watched one movie. I'll give one rating. In fact, dare I say, Brian, the listeners demand that you give a rating for one movie. If credits rolled, Brian, you have to give a rating. <laughs> okay, that's the rule. <laughs> that's the rule. Let me write that on the colony drop rules. You, if you watch one piece of content, you have to give a rating. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my my hand has been twisted. Yes, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you some time to collect your your collect your horrors. Uh, I'll go first though. On a scale of ten, I would give Hathaway's Flash seven out of ten horrors, and let me explain why. We had great writing, great voice acting, incredible animation. The combat for the cockpits was great. But I could have used more explanation in the overall story about a lot of things that were happening. That was maybe the greatest weakness. Um, You need to pull me into the story, even if you have to hold my hand a little bit for some things. Sorry, I didn't read the manga. (laughs) Um, Read the the novel. Yeah. And also, it would have been nice to have some more mobile suit combat. Um, not a ton, but hey, this is Gundam. Uh, if you're saving it all for part two and three, don't be surprised if uh, part one gets lower reviews. So that's why I I, I have that score for uh, Hathaway's Flash. Um, I still recommend it though because it's new UC content and it, it was it was really enjoyable. Not flawless, not definitely top Gundam, but it was really. Really enjoyable content. I'm excited to see where it leads. Hopefully, there's more information along the way for me to pick up. Brian, how many Haros do you give part one of Hathaway's Flash? I would give Hathaway's a solid 8 out of 10 Haros for much the same okay. reasons that you just said. I think the story was great. I think this is this is Gundam for adults. Yeah. This is very mature. This is very dense. I really think you have to watch it two or three times um, to pick up on everything. For better or worse, some people may hate that. I don't particularly mind it. I agree. I would have liked more mobile suit combat, but I don't really hold it too much against the film because, again, there's going to be two more films. So I have a feeling that will be not rectified, but I think we'll see a lot more combat you know, later on. I mean, if you think about it, this is the opening act, right? Um, not the final act. So hopefully we see some more, particularly because the suit, the designs are so great in, in the series. It'd be a shame and a waste if you, you know didn't use them. I agree with you that there is a little bit of backstory lacking on Mafti. So hopefully they fill that in. You know, if he's only 25, like you do need to kind of fill in that gap of like, okay, well, if I think what I was doing when I was 25, there's no way I could be uh, the the head of a an underground resistance thing that's taking on the essentially the world government, right? Yeah, but, you know, that said, listeners, we're excited to see what comes next. We think the story can really only improve from here. So stay tuned. It's going to be pretty awesome i imagine as things ramp up i think they started or will start production on uh, film number two fairly soon so i would imagine we're probably going to get one of these every year year two <laughs> years maybe depending on how quickly they are they're able to do this i mean a lot of it's a mix of cg so they have the cg done now they can continually reuse it right they don't have to start over every time so that's good right that means they're gonna have to. Well, we're gonna have to rewatch this. <laughs> oh yeah. In a year, in a year, we're gonna be like, all right, what happened? There was <laughs> Gigi and uh, <laughs> there was a fight in, in the Philippines. <laughs> Jolly Bee showed up. <laughs> Jolly oh, Bee. Oh yeah, we didn't even talk about Jolly Bee. <laughs> Massive product placement. List, dare I say the first product placement in Gundam history? 
I can't tell if it's product placement or they were just trying to be realistic. No, oh, come on. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. I mean, they were in the Philippines. I mean, Jollibee's a Filipino restaurant, supposedly, right? Yeah. But they sort right. of like spe- okay, I went to a Jollibee because some of my Filipino friends and family were like, oh, you should, Jollibee's great. You should go try it. And I went there and they served like spaghetti and hot dogs. And I just, I couldn't do it. I was like, nah. <laughs> I opted for something else. Have you ever been to a Jollibee? I walked in once. I think I bought a cake there once, of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course you went for the dessert. Yeah. I think they sold, I think this, did I go into one and they had Black Forest cake or something like that? And I'm like, I got the cake and I was looking around the menu and I was like, maybe I would have gotten the fried chicken. I can't think of what else I would have gotten there, but it's a Filipino franchise. I don't know too much about it. Not really on, even on my radar when I'm hungry, because that doesn't pop in anyone's head. (laughs) Maybe unless you're familiar. Who buys cake from Jollibee? I I needed, or I needed, I wanted, well, when I want, I need. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. This is a safe safe space, Isaac. You can admit your needs here. A Black Forest cake, and I think they they were like the closest one selling one. (laughs) So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. It's going to be Jollibee. Yeah, I remember being mediocre, though. (laughs) Sorry to any Jollibee fans, but I I should have looked for more like a a European baker or something. (laughs) They'd be be more competent with it (laughs) because they're closer to the source. Oh, boy. Maybe there could be a side story about like the Jollibee custom Gustav Carl. The Black Forest Gustav Carl, yeah, <laughs> which fits the name, by the way, because it's the German cake, and yeah, there you go. You know. <laughs> well, on that note, listeners, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. we'd really like to know what you thought of Mobile Suit Gundam Hathaway, the first film in a trilogy. You know, thoughts on the plot, characters, designs, anything you want to let us know, leave it in the comment box. If you haven't seen it, how do you feel about product placement in Gundam? Like, are you going to be upset if you see Char, like, you know, in his cockpit taking a break in in the side story? He, like, cracks open a Coke. (laughs) (laughs) You know, are you going to want Amuro chewing on a Kit Kat when he's in the hangar bay? (laughs) (laughs) Or are you going to, like, roll your eyes and be like, oh, God, I can't believe what's happened to Gundam? I did not find this Jollibee one overly intrusive. And I I hate ads, so... Right. It wasn't intrusive, but it was pretty bold, like, you know, literally across the screen it says like Jolly Bee and you know, I was like, Wow <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I hear you. I think it's a valid it's a valid concern for sure. <laughs> so don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Take us out, Isaac. And don't forget tonight before you go to sleep, stand next to your bed, get on your knees, put your hands together, look up at the ceiling, and hail Zeon. Good night everybody. <laughs>